Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Churches, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. Okay, you remember Paul planted the church, a bunch of group of people just like us, he planted the church, and he's writing to the church. Paul says something that's very interesting, very insightful. Something that really tugs at our hearts. You go, what's that? Remember, Paul writes to them, and he says, now, when, when it comes to our freedom in Jesus, now, we all understand that we're free in Jesus, right? That when you give your life to the Lord, you're free in Jesus. He says, now, concerning your freedom, and everybody goes, what? He says this in chapter 6, verse 12. He says, all things are lawful for me. He says, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me but I will not be brought under the power of any. That's what Paul writes, and this is profound. In other words, another translation says it like this. Sometimes someone will say, Pastor, I'm allowed and free to do anything. And people go, Amen. Okay. Are you not free to do anything you want to do? You go, well, I'm not free. Okay, well, Paul says this. He says, yes. But not everything is good for you. He says, I could say that I'm allowed to do anything, that I'm free, I can do anything. He says, but I'm not going to let anything make me its slave. You see, the insight that Paul has, he says, listen, you and I are free in Jesus. We is freed us. See, the gospel frees us. Religion wants to put us in bondage, but the gospel frees us. And see, if we truly understand the gospel, and I, and, and I get it. Listen, the gospel in its, in its purest sense is that Jesus died for you. He has a plan for your life. He died on the cross so that you could be within heaven. And people go, amen, I want that. And that's the gospel. But it's so much deeper. Think about, think about the letters that Paul wrote to the Galatians, to the Ephesians, the Philippians, the Colossians. Think about all of those letters. They, in, they, they intrinsically incorporate the gospel so deep that it would cause this man in the book of Acts to be stoned to death almost and get up and go back in to tell people about Jesus. There's something deep about that. There's something in, in, intrinsically deep about the, the gospel. And so he says, now listen, listen. All things are lawful for me. And you're saying our freedom, that's the gospel. He says, but but here it is. Not everything is good for you. You see, what Paul is trying to do, listen, if you're taking note, he wants to communicate to us that we're all free in Jesus. He wants you to know that you're free in Jesus. If you've given your heart to the Lord Jesus, you are free. You're free. And what it's called is called Christian liberty. But what we must remember, and although we're free in Christ, not everything is good for us. As a matter of fact, Paul says, some of the things that you might be, you might be into, it's making you a slave. You're actually in bondage to it. Pastor, you're talking to me. Yeah, listen, listen. We're all free in Jesus. Can I get an Amen. But with that freedom carries, a great, carries with it a great responsibility. It's a great responsibility. And you go, well, what should we do with my Christian freedom? Well, we should be making decisions in our life with regards to Jesus and to others. 
That's what, that's what Christian freedom is. We're making decisions based on Jesus and others. You understand if your vertical is right on, your horizontal is going to be amazing. If your vertical is off, then your horizontal is going to be off too. That's what Paul is trying to communicate to us guys right here. He wants to communicate that. And he actually does so in the book of Galatians just as well. And we're going to break this down. If you're taking note, Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 says this. Listen up. For you brothers are called by God to enjoy your freedom. But do not use this freedom as an excuse for living a sinful life. Instead, use it to render loving service to each other. Now, I feel like we need to unpack this. We have to unpack it because this is the foundation, okay? This is the foundational verse, if you will, of what Paul is trying to communicate to the Corinthian church, okay? Here's the foundation. We're building a house. Everybody, everybody, right? We're all constructed. We're building a house. What's the first thing we've got to go down? Our foundation. Here's the foundation. You ready? The first thing Paul tells you and I is he says, listen, here's what I want you to do. You are called by God to enjoy your freedom, you let that sink in. Here's why. Because there's a group of people who we, we really understand the gospel and we really understand that we're free in Christ. But there's a group of people that want to put us in bondage called legalism. You cannot do this unless you do this, unless you do that, unless you do that. You're not really, you're not really a believer unless you, unless you paint your toenails like me and unless you put your hair like me. And that's legalism. Paul says, enjoy your freedom. Enjoy it. Understand it. You're free in Christ. You go, amen. But the second thing he tells us, guys, as we unpack this, he says, don't use this freedom as an excuse for living a sinful lifestyle. Pastor, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. Why? Because I'm under grace. I'm under grace and Jesus has to forgive me because that's what he did. He died on the cross. And so I can go out and live however I want to because I'm free. Paul says, no, 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 no. He says, listen, having the mind of Christ, having the heart of Christ, living the godly life, he says, you're not going to use your freedom as an excuse. Have we ever done that, church? Have we ever said, well, I'm a sinner. That's why I did that. Well, I'm under grace. That's what I, that's why I want to do what I do. Paul says, no, guys. He says, man, enjoy your freedom. Have a blast, but never use it as an excuse to justify. Here's what we do. We take out our wallet and we go, here's my sin card. Here's my sin card. Here it is. Get out of jail free card. Boom. And this is how we feel like we can justify our life. Paul says, no, no, no. You know what you should do? He says, let me give you the third thing. He says, use your freedom to love and to serve each other. That freedom, use that freedom to what? Well, what did Jesus do? Jesus told us, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. If you want to look like Jesus, you need to serve others. You need to, you need to have that heart. You need to serve others. As a matter of fact, it's not only the Galatians that Paul writes. He actually encourages us in the book of Philippians. And he's writing to the Philippian church. In chapter 2, verse 3, he says this. He said, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. 
But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Your attention, please. Paul's going, listen, as you walk this Christian life, as you start to be a believer, as you're trying to navigate your spiritual life in a, in a dirty and dark world, he says, don't, let, don't do things out of selfish ambition. Me, 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 me. Or conceit. I can do it. He says, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others Better than himself. I know what you're thinking. Time out, pastor. Hold the phone. You want me to lift up others better than what I have it? Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, no, no. But the next verse says this. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also the interest of others. So Paul's not saying, hey, you go without, you don't take care of your family, you don't work, but you should be giving to other people. He says, make sure you take care of you, but not only you. He says, look to, look to others that you can help, that you can serve. How do we do this in a practical way? Guys, could you imagine the world if this group of people said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Listen, November, December, these are the most depressed months of people. They don't like the holidays. These are the most suicide months that they have. They don't want to do that. But what if you and I, what would the world look like if we said, listen, I'm going to take, I'm going to take $100 out of my Christmas fund, and I just want to bless somebody. I'm going to get two families. I'm going to buy $50 worth of toys, and I'm going to just, I'm going to, I'm going to look at, maybe not even toys, guys, maybe food. Maybe you say, no, 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 no. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the coffee shops and I'm just going to buy people coffee. Hey, God loves you, man. Here, it's on me. It's on me. Just esteeming others. Think about what the world would be like. Every one of us going there. You know what? That's it. We're going to make a difference. We're going to, this is what Paul says. Paul says, listen, let each, uh, each esteem others better than himself. And here's the thing. You all are way more creative than me. What you could be doing by esteeming other people. But imagine what our world would look like if we got out of our own way to bless others. Well, Pastor, they're not doing it. And don't worry about Don't worry. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Right? And then do you. Can you imagine? Sister Melissa's over there, and she's doing that over there at her job, and I'm doing it over here, and Sister Nathalie, and all of us are doing our... Man, can you imagine? People are like, what, what is wrong with you people? We love Jesus. You can even meet, you're giving me free money? We're giving you free money. Take your family out. As a matter of fact, let me, let me, let's do this. Let's, let me buy you Thanksgiving dinner. Let me buy you Thanksgiving dinner. Put that money for your kids, for your kids' Christmas. I know you're barely making ends meet. Let me do that. Well, why would you want to do that for me? Because God has given me a heart to love on you. I mean, think about it. I've got off track. I'm sorry, but let's go back to our text. This is what Paul says. He says, listen, we should be serving other people. Now, is that as a backdrop? This morning, we're going to see that Paul addresses the question. Now, there's a question written to him about what? About Christian freedom, idolatry, Okay, food and brotherly love and brotherly love. So as, as, as a background to our text, let me remind you guys what we talked about so far, okay? The first seven chapters of this book, Paul answered the questions being asked. 
he shared an advice to this church. You go, what did he share? Number one, he said, fix your focus. Fix your focus. You guys are focused on, on this church and that church and that denomination. He goes, fix your eyes on Jesus. The second thing he says, forego the feuding. Why are you fighting with each other? Forego that. It's about Jesus. And the third thing he says is, face up to your foolishness. And then remember, two weeks ago, he said, forsake your filthiness. It's filthy. There's sexual immorality. And then today, he tells them, let's figure out your freedom. Let's figure out your freedom. Now, listen. The issue right here was so important that Paul took three chapters to answer it. Three. Okay? Sister Melissa called me yesterday. No, Friday. And she asked me a question biblically. Can you imagine if I took three chapters to answer that question? That's what Paul's doing. It's so important. And so that's what we're going to look at. And you go, okay, Ben, I got a question. What was the issue? Tell me what the bottom line issue. You ready? Jot this down. Christian freedom and brotherly love. That's the issue. Christian freedom and brotherly love. Now, if you're taking notes, the question was particularly about food. You go, really? Like what? Like Paul was into tacos or... He was not your type. Get it? Anyway, so you'll get there. There you go. No, Paul was talking about food, more specifically food offered to idols. Food offered to idols. Did you realize, guys, that there were 26 shrines throughout Corinth? So this city had 26 places of worship where they offered sacrifice to a pagan God, 26. So now you get saved, okay? So now you're used to, you were used to going to Corinth and these shrines and now you're saved. And you're saved and you go, oh, oh uh. well, how is it, how is it, how is this an issue? Here's how, listen. When they would offer this at one of the 26 shrines, here's what they would do. The first part of the animal was consumed by the altar. <laughs> wow, let's worship. The second part they put and went to the priest And the third part was sold at a reduced price to the marketplaces. Okay? So now you're saved, so you're not going to the shrine anymore, but but you're going to the butcher shop. And you're going, I'd like to buy some steak. I'm going to grill some hamburgers this afternoon. I'm going to grill some steaks. Got some folks coming over. Oh, okay. So you realize, what do you realize? That's been offered to idols. Oh. Wow. Paul, that's right, Paul. Paul, what do we do? How do we handle this? You know what? Should we all be vegetarians? I don't know. Paul, what do we do? Now, Paul's going to answer that, right? Paul's going to answer that. Now, before we do, can I just give you the principle? I'm going to just give you what Paul is saying, right? Let me give you the main principle of what Paul is trying to communicate. You go, what's that? He actually gives this to us in the last two verses of this, of this chapter. Look at verse 12 and 13 with me real quick, okay? We're going to go forward to go back. Look at verse 12. But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Do you see what Paul is saying? You go, well, I'm not sure what the principle is. Here's what he's saying. Catch this. He says, so then. 
If food makes my brother or sister sin, I will never eat meat again, so as not to make my brother and sister fall into sin. Wow. You go, Ben, listen, I don't think enchiladas ever stumbled anybody. I don't think... Uh, spaghetti and meatballs ever stumbled anybody. I No, no, no. Let me give you a modern scenario, okay? Let me give you a modern scenario. Now, this is just an example. Let's say you are a mature believer. You're a mature believer in walking with Jesus. You understand the gospel. You know how much you're free in Jesus. Amen? And you go out to eat with a group of people. And you're mature enough that you like to have a glass of wine with dinner. The Bible doesn't say, thou shall not drinketh, wineth. You got that, right? So you're a mature believer and you go, man, I really like, I just like wine with my, with my spaghetti. I, I just like it. The problem is, is, is here's the main principle. That a weaker brother or sister who had struggled, guys, who had struggled with alcohol... And now they're saved. They just got saved, but they struggled. They see you take a drink of that, and they go, oh, well, you've been walking with Jesus. I guess it's okay. But what it does, instead of them going, oh, I guess it's okay. They're not mature enough. It stumbles them, and they go back into alcoholism, and they go back into getting drunk, and they go back into the world. That's what he's saying. He's saying, if I am with you, I am free to have a glass of wine, but I'm also free not to have a glass of wine. You see, that's the principle. Our Christian freedom, but brotherly love. That's the main scenario. Now, it's not just alcohol, guys. It's food. Uh, there's, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff we're going to look at today. But that's the main principle. Do you love your brother, your sister enough to esteem them higher than you? That's what Paul is going to talk about. Yes, 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 we have freedom in Christ. Yes, we are free as Christians. But we're also free not to cause our brothers and sisters to stumble. That's the main principle. So, what does Paul do? Here's what he does. Paul gives us four admonitions to follow. Four admonitions, right? Discerning right or wrong, what should I do in this area of questionable things? And what I wrote is things to consider. You should write this down. These are things to consider. You ready? The very first thing we need to take a moment to consider ourselves. Consider yourself, consider your viewpoint, consider your attitude, consider who you are in Jesus. You go, what do you mean? Well, let's take a look, okay? That's what we need to consider. It's a questionable thing, consider yourself. Verse 1 of chapter 8, Paul says, Now, concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Love edifies. Okay? So what is Paul saying? He goes, okay, now listen to me. We all know that we have general knowledge. Every one of you knew where that meat was coming from. You walk into the butcher shop, you say, hey, I'd like two steaks. You realize that that was, that was sacrificed meat to an idol at one of the 26 shrines. You knew that. You weren't going, gee, I wonder where you got that cow from. You know, they haven't, you knew, that's what Paul says. Paul says, you have that knowledge. You understand that that was 
But Paul says, but remember, knowledge puffs up. He says, but love edifies. And you go, Pastor, what do you mean? In the context of what Paul is saying, he says, love strengthens the faith of believers rather than destroying it. In other words, you go, you walk into somebody and you're behind them, they'll say, "Um, excuse me, um, I would like, um, where did the stakes come from? Let me tell you where those stakes come from. And you just lay out theology and you just floor them to the ground. That doesn't edify anybody. That doesn't edify anyone. He says, no, no, no. Instead, love, he says, love edifies. You may know a lot about the Bible, but that doesn't mean you have to drop knowledge on everyone when they're looking for somebody just to encourage them and to strengthen them in their walk. You see what's going on here, the principle. I like the way Warren Wearsby said. Warren Wearsby said this, and I quote, listen. In fact, the man who thinks he knows everything is admitting that he knows nothing, end quote. You know what I'm talking you know about? Do, do you know that person? That person who goes, man, they know it all. They just know it. I mean, right? Warren says they're just admitting they don't know nothing. So you and I, we're taking a step back. We know our hearts. We know we've gone to Bible college. We know the Bible. We've walked with Jesus for a while. Just because we know, we don't go in and go, let me drop some theology. Let me tell you what's going on. Let me tell you what's happening. This is where you should be. Knock it off. He says, knowledge puffs up. He says, but love edifies. Love edifies. You've been, what does that look like in a practical sense? Well, just because we know a lot about the Bible and theology, but what God has really called us to do, listen to me, is to love people back to life. I don't have to remind you, church, what an awful and ugly and dark world we live in. And people are hurting, and people are broken, and people are messed up. And you could be standing somebody next to you, and they're looking at you, and you say, how you doing? And what are they going to say? Good. I'm fine. They're not going to tell you. I'm a mess. I'm broken. I can't see daylight. We're all good at that, guys. And so God's called us with the heart of Christ and the mind of Christ to love people back to the life, back to to where they need to walk with Jesus. That's so important. Why? Because, guys, here's what we're good at doing. Okay, here's what good. Now, again, I'm going to do a big, broad brush because why? Because it's the whole, it's, it's, it's not just our church. It's, I mean, think about it. Sometimes we're real good at giving people Band-Aid verses. Okay, my sister comes to me and she's really wounded. Well, here's a verse. Here's a verse. Let me give you a verse. And we put Band-Aids on them without walking with them, without taking them to the hospital, without carrying them and going, come on, you're hurting. Let me do this with you. You have a problem with your thought life. What do we say? Well, the Bible says take every thought captive. Amen. And then we go on our way. Instead, we should go, oh, let me walk with you through this. How you doing? You doing okay? What have you been thinking about lately? What have you been putting in your mind? What, you're right? Because the Bible says we need to have the mind of Christ. Or what, what are you putting in? Well, well. I told Nathalie, can, can, I, can I be honest in church? Can I be honest in church? Yes? Is this a safe place? I told Nathalie the other day, man, I, or this yesterday, I said, man, I've been struggling with just being down lately. Just really struggling. 
And, and of course, we got in the car, and one of the songs was just an oldie, an old slow song. She goes, well, no wonder you're done. You're listening to this. You know? And I was like, yeah, be careful what you're listening to, because it's like, I, well, that's not always on. It's 80s on 8, okay? We're just, it's not always air supplied. Trust me. I say that somewhat hilariously, because, but, but really, what are we listening to? And what are we watching? Because that really gets us, you know? really gets us bummed. And people say, what's up? And so again, we got to be careful. What are you putting in your mind? What are you putting on your mind? And Paul continues the thought process. Look at verse 2. He says, and if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this is known by him. You go, Ben, what is Paul saying? Here's what I want you to know. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. We really, we never really know enough until we recognize that God alone knows it all. That's what he's saying. Pastor, I have a question. What's your question? Does that mean I shouldn't study the Bible? No, here's, here's what I want you Paul is not encouraging you to be ignorant. He's not saying don't study, don't read. He says, I'm not encouraging you. He says, but i got to be honest with you. A proud attitude is not Christ-like. One of the reasons that people come to this church is they say, man, we're down to earth. You're normal. Joe, on his testimony the other day, Joe blew me away. On Wednesday, he did his testimony, and he's like, I came to this church, and I was looking, and I wanted to protect my mom. And he said, and pastor said things like he was a normal person. And I grew up where I was like, pastors aren't normal. They kind of float around, right? They have this great biblical knowledge. And he said, but you were normal. And I'm going, yeah. But, but look, 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 look at this in the church. People come to church and they come in and they see you. And you know what they tell me? Well, those people have it all together and I don't. And how many of us go, <laughs> they don't... <laughs> I'm a mess. If they knew I, I mean, right? Do we have it together? And that's what we want. We want to say, come on in, man. We, we're a mess like you. We're a bunch of misfits trying to make it through. But we can do life together. We can be a family and just do life together, right? Let's never let anybody come through those brown doors and, and think, because that's how people think. They think, oh, churches, man, oh, there's a bunch of people that are, per- we're not perfect. We're far from it, aren't we? Man, we're like that rack. You know what I'm talking about? The misfit rack, right? Where where the pants look really good, but one leg is just a little bit longer. It just says slight, you know, it's just a slight problem. That's us, right? Mel, you're those pants, bro. You're just, right? And then then you got a shirt with a little stain. I'm the shirt with the stain. I mean, it just doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. That's who we are. But I love being that. I love being that. And people go, hey, man, you're, you're, you're those, you're those weird-looking pants where one leg is longer than the other. And you go, yeah, that's why Jesus died. You're that, you're, that, you're that stain in the shirt that won't come off. I know. That's why Jesus died. I'm getting way off, guys. Sorry. Number two. Number two. Okay? Take a moment to consider your brother's feelings, his thoughts, and his emotions. 
That's the second thing we need to consider. Look at verse 4. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. I love you, Paul. Why? Notice what he said. He says, I got to be honest with you guys, there are really no idols in the world that are alive. Is that true? There's no really no small gods, are there? There's only one God. He's alive. Now, we worship idols, right? I think it was John Piper quoting, I can't remember who it was, so I should have looked it up, but he says, our, our hearts are idol factories. We produce idols. He says, but they're really not alive. They're really dead. They're really dead. Do you guys remember what they used to do back in the Old Testament? They'd take trees inside, they'd carve them out, and they'd make little, little statues, and they would worship them. They'd bring them in and they decorate them with gold and everything and they would worship, but they're dead. And so Paul says, listen, when it comes to that, let's be honest, there's only one God. But here's what I love about Paul. Paul doesn't drop theology on the people. He doesn't go, now listen, you know that all the idols are dead, don't you? What is wrong with you people? I told you when you accepted Christ, there's only one God in here. No, Paul loves people so much, he recognizes culture, and he recognizes where people are at, and he meets them right where they're at. What a great lesson for you and I. Can you imagine what this world would look like if you and I just met people where they're at? Instead of going, well, they should be, they should be reading the Bible like me. Just, you go, what do you mean? Well, let me illustrate it. Let me illustrate it, right? Paul recognizes, he says in verse 5, he says, and even if there are so-called gods, little g, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many, what, lords. What's he saying? What's Paul talking about? Well, if you're taking note, here's what Paul recognizes. He, let me give you four gods that the Gentiles worshipped. Now, can you imagine just getting saved? Just getting saved. I'm saved. I'm, how, how, how old are you? I'm one day old. But yesterday you were worshipping another god. I mean, what are you going to say? Come on. What is wrong with you? You're bringing in a lot of baggage. Here's what we don't understand about Christians. When Christians get saved, they come in with a lot of baggage. I'm saved. What do I do with these? It's our job to go, it's okay. God will put them down when it's time as you start to grow. Well-meaning Christians say, what are you doing with all that baggage? Come on, you can't, drop it. What's wrong with you? Well, I, I, I don't know. what. And then, and, then, and then we frighten Christians back into the world. And so again, Paul says, let me, let me tell you, that, listen, and even if there were, I know you're worshiping some gods, right? And so who did they worship? They worship Artemis, Artemis, the, the, the temple of Diana, okay? All of Asia worshiped there. All of Asia. And that can be found in Acts chapter 19, verse 28. So you got people who were worshiping Diana. You guys know this. This is where the sexual immorality, there were a thousand prostitutes come into town at night. A thousand, that's how they made their money. And so they worship that way. You go, what other gods? He says, there was one called Castor. All the Greeks worship Castor. Another name is, is, uh, is, is Pulux, P-O-L-L-U-X, Pulux. All the Greeks worshiped him. That was found in Acts 28, verse 11. And then there was Hermes. Okay, all the Greeks, according to Acts chapter 14, verse 12. And then, if that was enough, he says, people were worshiping a fellow by the name of Zeus. Zeus, Acts chapter 14, verse 12. So I love that Paul doesn't go, come on, guys, what's wrong with you? Let me tell you about the Bible. Let me tell you what I've learned. Listen, Acts chapter 9, me and Jesus, we, he says, I, I get it. I get it. 
I get it. Guys, in the same way, people are getting saved that were brought up worshiping saints. And they still have a lot of that in them. People were brought up in in a very strict religious background. And when they come to Calvary and they see us in jeans and they see us casual, they're like, people have been brought up in a very, listen, they would not raise their hands in church. Okay? And there you are. Bless the Lord. You're You're just worshiping and they're like, it's a start. It's a start, right? And then they do this. It's okay. It's okay because that's where they're at. Can you imagine going to that person and dropping theological knowledge on them? Or they feel like, oh. you see, it's a, I love the heart of Paul. Why do I love the heart of Paul? Because he has the heart of Christ. He doesn't just floor them away with biblical knowledge. He understands that they have been worshiping idols. And he says, okay, I get it. And so I got to tell you the truth. Notice he tells them the truth in verses six through eight. He says, yet, for there is one God, the father of whom are all things, and we for him, and the one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things and through whom we live. You know what Paul is saying? He's saying, guys, there's only one God. The triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And through him we live. Listen, Paul just gave us a great way to witness to your coworkers and your friends. Sometimes we think, I can't witness to my friends because I don't know much about the Bible. You know what Paul said? Paul didn't drop down theology, did he? He didn't drop down biblical knowledge. What did he say? Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the Father, the Son, how he's changed my life. Let me tell you how I was severely wounded by the world. And the gospel came in and Jesus came in and healed me. And they look at you and they go, how? How did that happen? And you go, I don't really know, but I know it's real. I know he's alive. That's what he's saying. Guys, you want to witness to your friends. You want to witness to your coworkers. You want to witness to your spouse. You want to witness to, just tell them about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. And Paul says, however, verse 7, there is not in anyone, everyone that knowledge. For some, with consciousness of the idol until now, eat it as a thing offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But food does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. You go, Ben, I wish Paul would talk English. I know. But here's what he's saying. He's saying that idols are not real. And that the meat offered to the idols could never hurt anyone's body or spirit. So if you go into the butcher shop and you go, hey, I'd like that steak. It's not going to defile you spiritually. You're not going to sit there and go, oh, I cut into it and now I just feel so sinful. I need to repent. That's not, it's what he's saying. But he also loves people. Why? Because he goes, you know what? Some Christians don't have that knowledge. That's okay. That's okay. They haven't really grown yet. And they don't realize that no food is sinful in and of itself. Let me ask you that. Is food sinful in and of itself? Except when it's bad food and it goes on your waistline? 
That's when it's sinful, right? But other than that, it's not. It's not. And so what Paul says, guys, is the Corinthian believers that what a person eats has nothing to do with his or her spiritual relationship with God. If you're taking note, remember this. The Bible always interprets the Bible. Okay? The best interpretation of the Bible is the Bible. Be careful when somebody goes, well, that's your interpretation. No, it's the Bible's interpretation, right? Because, because in Acts chapter 10, the Lord gives us a great interpretation of what Paul's trying to say. If you remember, and, and I know Tamri will, when we first went to Israel, we went to a place called Joppa. We went to a place called, right, it was where Simon the Tanner used to live. You can see it right there in Israel. Beautiful place. Well, this is the place of, the, of, of Acts chapter 10. Peter is with Simon the Tanner, and Peter goes, I'm going to go up to the rooftop to pray. I can see why he went up to the rooftop, because if you oversee the Mediterranean, it's gorgeous. Beautiful view. So he's up there praying. You guys remember what happens? The Bible says his, his tummy started rumbling. He's like, man, I'm hungry. And then the Bible says he fell in a trance. And then he said, I saw something from heaven. A sheet came down from heaven. He said, and on this sheet, it blew my mind. You said, why? What was on the sheet? It said, there were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. So Peter's freaking out. Why? Because he would never eat that. He said, man, I saw filet mignon. I saw wild buffalo wings or buffalo wild wings, whatever it is. I saw, man, I saw, man, chicharrones, and I saw taco. Oh, I saw everything that I'm not allowed to eat. And the voice said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. I know I'm making you all hungry. You're like, Ben, stop talking about food. And Peter said, not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything unclean. And the Lord says, what I have cleansed don't call common. In other words, food in and of itself is not bad. It's not bad. It's not going to defile you spiritually. Oh. So God right, illustrated this as Paul is writing. So he says, okay, okay. We are free to eat meat in question. But the apostle says, but let me warn you. And he warns us in the next verse. The third attitude we should have, ready? Take a moment to consider your brother's walk with Jesus. Not only are you considering his feelings and his thoughts and where he's come from, consider his relationship with God. Have we ever done that? Paul says, look it, look it. But be aware, he says in verse 9, lest somehow your or this freedom of yours becomes, becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. Paul lovingly warns this church as well as us. You see, the Corinthians thought that they were more mature and more spiritual. They assumed they were free in Jesus to do whatever they wanted, but the one mistake they made is they never considered them a stumbling block to other believers. It never entered their mind. They never thought, what if I take this step? How, is that gonna how are you going to see? How is that, how am I going to stumble you? 
They never consider that. They go, I'm free. Let's go. It's party time. They don't go, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's people. Oh, oh. He says this in verse 10. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating at an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat the things that are offered to idols? And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. What did Paul do? I love that he gave an illustration. He said, listen, here's the deal. You've been walking with Jesus a long time. You have a great relationship. As a matter of fact, you realize where this has come. You have biblical knowledge. You are free. So you go over. You're not, you're not only getting it at the butcher shop. You're actually going out and you're having a steak at the shrine, at the temple place. He says, and a younger brother walks by, just got saved yesterday, looks at you and goes, whoa. Isn't that? He says, have you not considered that, you're yo- that a younger, weaker brother would look at that and go, hey, I guess it's okay to have steak offered to idols. Paul illustrates that. But let me give you a more close to home example. Okay. Now, we talked about wine earlier. Let's talk about something else. This is just an example. Everybody, this is just an example, okay? Let's say that you're a mature believer. You've been walking with Jesus a long time. You know your Bible. You've got biblical knowledge. You got it. Amen? But you feel like it's okay because the latest R-rated movie is coming out. And you know that R-rated, and so you look it up and you say, why is it R-rating? Oh, he goes, there's nudity and language, as well as is killing. You go, oh, okay. But I'm free in Jesus. Am I free to go to an R-rated movie? Right? Okay. But you decide you're going to take a weaker, younger brother in the faith. Hey, that latest movie's coming out. Let's go check it out, man. But what you don't know is that your younger brother just got saved And he's been battling a porn addiction. And so when he goes into this movie thinking that it's okay with you, that the nudity in that movie triggers him to go back to pornography. And much, much more. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying is, listen, you're free. I get it. Enjoy life but not at the expense of causing your brother to stumble. So, Pastor, what should I do? If you really want to see that movie and you're mature enough, which I don't condone because we need to put in good stuff in our brains, go by yourself. Go to the midnight showing. (laughs) You guys see what I'm saying? This is what, again, it's just an example. Please don't say, Pastor Ben said, don't go to movies. What we want to do, guys, what we want to do, again, remember, is we want to take a moment to consider our brother's walk with God, our sister's walk with God. Am I free? Absolutely. Am I free not to? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, let's close. Let's close our Bible study with the fourth one, okay? The fourth example. Let's take a moment to consider Jesus Christ. Let's take a moment to consider Jesus, okay? We've considered us. We've considered our brother's feelings, his emotions. We've considered his walk with God, but now we need to take a moment to consider Jesus. 
I think of Moses. Do you guys remember Moses? Moses is our guy, right? Moses is the man. But when Moses was thinking he had to save the, the whole Israel uh, people, the children of Israel, do you remember what he did? He thought, man, I'm going to... And what he did is he looked to the right, he looked to the left, and he killed the Egyptian. Do you remember that? He never looked up. He never considered, what, what is God going to think about this? And that's what, that's what Paul is saying. He says, consider Jesus, right? He says in verse 12, And when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you're sinning against Christ. So if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live. For I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. Guys, think about what he just said. Here's what he said. You ready? I love Jesus so much that if eating meat causes you to sin, I will never eat meat again. Ben, I really, really like steak. I get it. But your love for Jesus far outweighs any temporary and earthly pleasure here. Why? Listen to me, church. Because the stakes are far great. I don't mean the steak like steak. The stakes, right? Different word. I just caught that. Eternity. Eternity for somebody. What does that mean? What's the principle? You ready? You're free. You're free. You're free. But your love for Jesus should go, but God, you love them, and so I love them. You're going to come to your house? Yeah, come to my house. You know, I really struggle with, with, with meat. I'm a vegetarian. I'm a vegan. You're my brother, right? Yeah. I'm not going to serve meat. Yeah, but it's okay. No, here's why. Because I honor you and I love you that much that I don't want to cause you to stumble. It's okay. It's okay. Here's the principle. You guys ready? As we close, here's the principle. Let's get our eyes off of us. Let's get our eyes off of us and say, God, the best way for me to glorify you is to walk in you. Is to lift people, to encourage them. And if it means that I don't go to the movies for, for a while, I won't go to the movies because I want to walk with my brother in this. Because eventually, what should happen? We should all grow up. We should all mature in the Lord. And I know, I know some of you, I know you, you're coming in here and you're going, man, if I only knew back in the day what I know now, I've grown so much. My life would have been so much easier. I know that. And if that's the case, think of what you're going to be like next year. Think about what you're going to be like in two years. You're going to even be more mature. Walking in the Lord. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love for us. 
God, my prayer here is that everyone knows you in a real and intimate way. But God, eternity matters. People matter. And so my prayer this morning, Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, has walked away from you, is feeling alone and broken and lost in this world, you brought him here for a reason, that God, today, your Holy Spirit would speak to them ever so gently. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He followed you all the way to church. He's been sitting next to you all day, and he loves you very much. With every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to Jesus. I want forgiveness of sins, and I want want him to, I want him to come into my heart. I want to live for him. But I need prayer, Pastor. I I've messed up all on my own. But I see his loving arms, his encouragement. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if that's you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, will you just pray for me? I just want to be right with God. Would you just pray? God bless you, sister. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you, sister. I see you in the front. Anyone else? Oh, Lord, I thank you, God, that your spirit is so beautiful and so amazing. I pray for my sisters who lifted up their hands. I pray that you would just show them how much you love them and you don't condemn them and you're not mad at them, that you're madly in love with them and you desire a relationship and that if they'll just come running back to you, you're standing with your arms open wide. I praise you, God, for what you're doing in these young ladies' lives. I praise you, God, that you... you are God and that you so love us very much praise you Lord in Jesus name Amen hey this is Pastor Josh I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus if it has we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.